Becky Marie Beyer here, welcoming you to Season 3. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing. Me? No, not at all, Jackie. You just go ahead and ask whatever you want to ask. And, and um, I'm happy to... You, who... who you, just, just, I suppose just out of interest, your, your podcast, um, it's, it, it, it's for organic gardeners, is it? It is. So last December, we did change the title to the Green Organic Garden instead of just the Organic Gardener. Okay. I call my listeners Green Future Growers because, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out. There's tons of information out there that's going to tell you how to grow a better tomato, how to grow a head of lettuce. My listeners are interested, and me and my husband, in creating a, you know, an environment, an ecosystem, a you know it's more you know we believe there's a lot of politics my show we do talk about politics because we do feel like caring for mother earth and protecting our planet it is related to gardening and it's all interconnected and just um and and my listeners are interested in green jobs they're interested in just so so and and it was funny because the first interview i did when that came out was Jeff Lowenfels, who I don't know if you've read his books, Teeming with Nutrients and all those. He's like, my thing for the year is what would Greta do? And it was just, I was like, oh, this is so perfect because and I, I, part of why I'm so excited to talk to you because, you know, you definitely see the link between growing food and growing and, and protecting our planet. You're so passionate about Mother Earth and and protecting our planet. And that's, you know, that's where it all comes from. So yeah. those okay. are my listeners. Okay, brilliant. Does that help? Of course. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's great. Thanks. I, I should have actually researched it, but I haven't had a moment today. So well, thank you. know what? I that. always <laughs> say the best interview happens when just the right listeners in the audience. And it was me researching you yesterday that's going to make this such a better interview because i was like i was telling my husband like oh my gosh you know i read her book but it was so long ago like i like i gotta go refresh my memory and then i found your arc site and i was like oh my gosh this is so what i want to do because i realized like one of the big things this summer just like coincidentally during the pandemic i had a lot of people come to my garden in our home and we have 20 acres of forest land in northwest montana which is ah. on the we're right up against the rocky mountains up on the canadian border but you know we just like have a very tiny part where we grow the food and i realized that i need to my husband has made kind of some paths like a little network nature walk where i can walk and get exercise and it was supposed to be where i could cross-country ski but it's it's a little too steep for that but okay i do walk though and in the summer i realized last summer when people come to see the garden i need to take them for a walk through the trails and see the property and then end back here at the garden and i just i'm like i'm gonna put little arc signs and and uh -huh. and really That's learn great. more about the native part and really connect our home like connect the whole 20 acres and not just be like, here, come see my apple trees. Here, come see, like, I, I just like, it was like a game changer. So I feel like we're going to have such a better chat today because of that. Oh, great. Fair play to you. That's wonderful. Okay. And then I'm going to be quiet. 
<laughs> I actually mute my mic and everything. I was just telling my last guest, I'm like, yeah, I literally mute my mic because my listeners tell me, don't interrupt your guest. So if I do have to ask you a question, like it makes this physical barrier for me to actually like it's got to be really important and and that way they get to hear you talk so my show is a complete success because of my amazing guests like you and just thank you so much i'm so honored to talk oh, no, to you. i'm delighted you asked me i'm always happy to talk about this stuff so thank you Aww. okay well here we go Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Jan. It is Tuesday, January fifth, twenty twenty one. Is finally here, and I just have season three. The lineup of guests just gets better and better. I can't believe it. I have the most amazing Mary Reynolds from Ireland on the line today. If you don't know who she is, hopefully you're gonna know more about her today, and then you're gonna do some research, and you're just gonna love her. Her message is so important. I know you guys are going to love it. She's going to drop tons of golden seeds and she's going to make our lives better. She is making our planet better. She's making our lives better. She's going to make your life better today. So welcome to the show, Mary. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Jackie. You're great. Well, uh, I know about you because my mom turned me on to your movie about when you won the Chelsea Garden Show in, I don't know, years oh. ago, but now you've kind of twisted and changed and you're pivoted and now you're teaching people how to really connect with mother earth and nature and stop tilling and and doing all these great things that are regenerating our planet and you've got this thing arc that stands for acts of ran wait acts of regenerative kindness i love it's just like it's the most perfect thing and just Go ahead and tell listeners what what all you've got going and it's the cutest logo and it's the best page and i love everything <laughs> thanks jackie well um yeah i guess it's been a bit of a twisty old journey for sure um i i i guess i i started off um as a garden designer and then I went through various kind of hoops and changes and twists um, and I wrote a book called The Garden Awakening about, I don't know, five, six years ago where, you know, I kind of wrote myself out of a job and tried to figure out how to really design spaces in harmony, in harmony with nature and also by allowing the land to become what it wants to become rather than controlling it. But um, I, I've kind of twisted away from that or even further on from it again, um, although I still use that in, in, in the half of the gardens that people still work with. But um, I was sitting at my window. I'll just give you a little background of, of where, where um, awesome. we are the ark came from. So I was, I was sitting at my window at my desk one day looking down over my garden. And uh, this was in the winter of not, not this winter, it's actually two years ago now, the winter of two years ago. And a fox ran past on the lawn beneath me. I, I work upstairs. And just after the fox, a couple of hares, um, both native creatures to Ireland where I live. And it's very unusual because it's usually the other way around. But um, then a few minutes later, I looked up and I noticed a hedgehog scuttling along underneath the hedge. Now, they're usually nocturnal and hibernating. So I thought, okay, then going on. So I left my desk and went outside and I tr walked up my lane to see where they were running away from. 
And at the end of my lane, which is country lane in Ireland, um, very quiet, there's a little small little road. And on the other side of the road was this thicket of a field, which I loved. And it was about an acre. Um, and it was impenetrable with thorny plants like hawthorns and blackthorns and um, native, all native, all self-willed land, uh, completely impenetrable. And somebody had got planning permission to build a house at the top of the field and they'd gone in with a digger and they do what everybody does. They completely cleared it out to make a garden. And they hadn't had one thought for all the creatures that called it home. So I stood there in pretty much feeling pretty bad and absolute horror because I realized I'd done this myself so many times and that these wild creatures had nowhere left to go, less and less places to go. They, they couldn't go out into agricultural land because it was poisoned with chemicals and their habitats were being reefed out to, to, to use up every last square inch for growing crops. Um, they couldn't go into people's gardens because they were filled with non-native plants, which didn't support an ecosystem. And they were just trying to find refuge in all these tiny little wild places which were becoming fewer and fewer and more and more islandized. And I, I just thought this, that the time for gardens is over. And so I went back inside. Um, I'm quite an extreme person anyway, so maybe that probably sounds quite extreme, but I went back inside and realized like, you know, I can do something here because I do have, you know, a certain amount of people listen to me every now and again anyway, um, occasionally when I have something to say. <laughs> and um, so I started a global movement, which actually took off um, and is now all around the world. And myself and um, my friend Claire and Ruth and Joe and Jen, um, we put together a, a website very, very quickly. And I wrote all the words for the website and um, it was called We Are the Ark, Acts of Restorative Kindness to the Earth. Um, and I'm asking people to give half of any land they have under their care back to nature so that she can take care of all her creatures. And we can give um, sanctuary and hope to, you know, all our shared kin who we are hopelessly and helplessly dependent upon. Um, if they don't survive, we, we don't survive. And, the collapse in, in, in biodiversity is, is phenomenal. We've wiped out 83% of all um, wildlife on Earth, even though we only make up 0.01% of all life on Earth as humans. Um, um, and insects have nosedived by 75% um, in the last 50 years, specifically since the green revolution, the chemical farming revolution took hold. Um, so without um, insects, we would only have a few months to live because they pollinate 90% of plants, 90% um, of flowering plants and 75% are higher of other plants. And without those plants, there's no food, there's no ecosystem. They're the foundation stone of all our life. And they clean our water, they give us food, they give us shelter, they give us clean air. Um, and we are treating them as if they are simply things that are pretty or not pretty depending on our feeling for them and filling our gardens full of non-native still life plants which we control within an inch of their lives um, and uh, we forget that the earth has 
a very, very intelligent system of her own, which we need to, to give her room to heal now. And so that's it. That's 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 the basic beginning of where I I'm with the We Are the Ark movement. And I think one of the things I saw yesterday that was really helpful for me was were you saying that like if we all did this within five years, we could make a huge impact on climate change and 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 healing Mother Earth, like it could have that big of an impact. Yeah, well, I think I think you are you referring to a TED talk I did, perhaps. I think I am. Yeah, okay. I was pretty I was pretty nervous doing that TED talk, so I think I actually I think I messed up. I think I said we could reverse climate change within five years, but actually that's not true. We could, I I was so nervous I, I I got that wrong. We could actually um, begin to reverse climate change. Yes, um, by by rewilding our planet by by capturing. Um, carbon in, in, in nature's natural successive processes rather than planting trees and thinking that that will do the trick that actually allowing nature to to heal her own her own skin and to plant her own trees as long as the land isn't damaged and isn't cut off from natural um, native woodlands and things yes that we can make a huge difference but actually I, I think in the TED talk I was referring to farming and transforming farming um, back into um, a less destructive practice, one that actually incorporated trees like agroforestry systems or um, permaculture um, regenerative systems, which actually put back into the earth rather than constantly taking from it. Um, the We Are the Ark project kind of asks people to grow their own chemical free food um, in the no dig system um in the half of their garden that they're keeping to work with if they can um and the other half to uh to basically to rewild it we call it arcing as opposed to rewilding because it's missing so many different creatures from the ecosystem that we have to step in and become them and carry out the services that that are that are missing um so you know certain things like uh we ask that people create as many different edges and ecotones in their spaces as possible, as much diversity as they can, which would naturally be kind of held in place by different keystone plants, different um, keystone um, her, you know, animals like apex predators or ecosystem engineers, um, such as beavers, um, apex predators such as wolves so obviously in small suburban spaces or you know 20 acre plots or whatever it is you have you can't have your wolf or you know wolf pack or <laughs> all those things so we ask people to step in and carry out those different services and it's very simple actually I'm just finishing up writing we are the art book about this um and awesome. it's a very simple book and how to how to make your your ark into the most supportive and diverse sanctuary you can um, and how you can do it without any money um, and you can you know it, it it really changes everything because it expands your heart and your family to include all these tiny creatures and not so tiny creatures that come and share the land um, and you just feel so blessed and grateful that your land and family have expanded to include all these other creatures and you become more and more protective of them because what i ultimately ask is that people become guardians of their land not gardeners 
you know that we, we we learn to find our place in this web of life again which is one of guardian you know caretaker um we, we we've lost our way you know oh my goodness i love all of this and like like one of the struggles we've been having is we have this grizzly bear who keeps breaking into our chicken pen and i just love that i'm going to become a guardian of that grizzly bear and figure out because i get so frustrated like all these people are moving in like i want to see this bear like we're going to figure out like the chickens come in and sleep in my bathtub at night you know if that's what we have to do like i live here because i want to see that grizzly bear like <laughs> i'm just so frustrated like i'm definitely going to become a guardian and like welcome more creature like figure it out because i can't stand when people are like oh shoot it and shoot the wolves and like my grandson and i were just talking about how lucky we are to live here and get to hear wolves and hear coyotes and uh, and get to but yeah we have like oh my goodness they've sold so many out like we are just getting inundated with people with the pandemic like they are flooding here oh and so um you know so i think like i'm just so excited about this and like i was telling you in the pre-chat like i'm so excited to make like little signs and like when people come to see our garden i'm going to take them on like a tour that goes through the whole property and connect and like sh like start more like teaching about the native plants that are growing like the juniper bushes i just love juniper bushes which are i was on the native plant society like looking to see they're one of my favorites so they grow like crazy and and just i love the way you were talking about let the step six let the scrubby messy thorny thickets be yeah. leave those rambles which junipers are definitely thorny but they yeah. make wonderful sanctuary for wild mammals and just uh, i just i love all of this the signage will be key to educating people how beneficial these spaces are to families of all shapes and stuff like i just love everything about it <laughs> that's the thing we ask people to do is because one of the main obstacles that i've come up against sorry i'm just taking my drink of tea so one of the main obstacles i come up against is people um feeling ashamed of of their um messiness if if they have a garden that people look in at they're there they can they feel they can't make an arc because they're ashamed if it's messy and they feel this pressure to keep it neat so what we say to people is you know we, we're not selling anything you know um we ask people to make homemade signs make them out of wood or ceramic or metal or whatever recycled material you have lying around and to write this is an arc um on it and then to put the website underneath that to support um anyone who is 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 building an arc basically so on the website then if neighbors are curious as to why it's a total mess in their gardens which is you know the, the kind of traditional way of looking at something that's gone a bit wild um if they look up the website it explains why we need an arc why we need to build arcs why the, we, we're trying to create a patchwork quilt of hope that wraps its way around the world i mean there's there's 40,000 um I think there's four I, think I can't I'm terrible at figures but there's there's so many no um thousands of acres I think it's 40,000 acres or maybe hectares of of lawn in America you know that's lawn that's just kept controlled because we have this obsession with neatness and tidiness but if we gave oh. 
<laughs> and dandelions like leave yeah. the dandelions leave the dandelions exactly but if we gave them back um to nature that she would have you know the possibility of of um creating corridors between spaces which are now islandized you know so each of our even like little window box with you know a a a, a box full of local topsoil which allows the native weed seeds to emerge and support insects as a kind of a, a kind of a I don't know a, a shop one of those motorway stopovers on their flight where they get you know some actual proper whole food on their way you know I mean if gardening the gardening industry really has to change you know it's it's using 20 times more oh it's 10 times more chemicals per acre than than agriculture uses that's how much chemicals are being poured onto our gardens oh my you know? goodness and nobody talks about the damage that gardening no. is doing no one talks about the fact that pretty much every plant that you buy, unless they say it's organic, has been treated with so many chemicals that they're staying as persistent and systemic chemicals in the life cycle of the plant and they're killing the pollinators that come to visit them. Um, and they don't they don't leave those chemicals, they stay, they, they build up in the plant and they get worse every year. And you know, the, the fact that the we're planting all these non-native plants which they're selling as wildlife friendly plants and yes a lot of the time the big showy flowers are attractive to the pollinators so apart from the fact that they're often chemically laced they are also um, distracting the pollinators attention from the native weedy plants which are not as pretty but without them we are absolutely screwed because um, they, they can't get pollinated because they're being distracted by the showy flowers and the pollinators don't visit the native plants anymore. But then when it comes to making baby food for birds or, um, or bats, or not bats, um, any kind of, so many mammals and amphibious creatures depend on larvae for their food and birds need huge amounts of larvae to feed their babies. And you know, moths and butterflies will only lay their eggs on specific um, native plants because they have developed relationships within the local food web. So larvae will often only eat one or two different types of, of, of native tree leaf or shrub or um, grass or, um, you know, weedy perennial or annual weed that they're all very important because they're very specific to different caterpillars or you know, over there you have the monarch butterfly. I think it's milkweed. They will only lay their eggs on, and they're. Um, I mean, there's a wonderful um, naturalist over there called Doug Tallamy, and he is amazing. And anybody um, in your part of the world really should get a hold of his books. There's one called Nature's Last Best Hope and um, Bringing Nature Home, and both of them are just a vast eye-opening amount of information about about how native plants are the foundation stone of any ecosystem and without them nothing can work so our gardens need to become refuges for the native plants first and foremost and after that everything else will come back into balance once we do a little bit of support system within that Wow. You know, I posted this thing about hope the other day, but you are giving my listeners so much hope and giving me hope. And I interviewed this guy, Dave, 
my goodness, not Salatin? I don't know. Dave down in New Mexico who said that the monarch butterfly could be the, um, you know, kind of like the mascot for the environment and for, you know, reversing, saving, saving our planet um, because of exactly what you're saying and just... It's so lovely to hear you come up with these ideas and talk about the importance and the connections and the links and, and making my listener, like, I remember I interviewed Patty Arbister. She's been on my show a few times. She talked about don't buy anything with neonicotinoids in it because those chemicals last. And, and it, but I just think you're really expanding upon like one, how much easier, like your pictures on your website that show these gardens that have come back from nature and landscapes and just, they're so beautiful. And you talk about how it's from people listening and, and, and letting that native, um, just natural environment thrive. That's creating just, this is so important and, and, and giving us options and solutions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, that we don't always need to plant anything, you know? Like there's- yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's 5,000 weed seeds in every square foot of soil, if in healthy soil. Um, so generally we ask people just to, is to wait and observe um, initially and see what emerges, like stop cutting everything back, see what's trying to come up because the earth is her, her intuitive and, highly intelligent systems of, of, of healing her own skin and her and supporting all of her creatures um, that we haven't, we, we hardly know any of it. Like we hardly know anything about ecology in comparison to, to what is going on out there. Like, like, the, you know, the, the kind of the knock on effect of, of removing the native plants has had a massive, pro, massive impact on, on so many levels of an ecosystem. And we keep breaking all these threads in the web of life. And we do not know at what point one of those threads will go and the whole web will collapse. Like it might well have already happened, you know? So, and we can't wait for politicians to step up because, you know, nobody goes into politics who's a good person really. You know, there's just, there's, there's if they go in as good people, they don't last. and. Um, I see you have some interesting people over there, but you know, um, it's it's not really it's not really going to work to wait for them to fix it because look at the Paris Agreement, for example, that was just full That's of backslapping, backslapping politicians who never actually did anything since. Not one thing have they done, not one thing. So we cannot wait for them to do anything. It's just they're just they're just full of shit, basically. So it's up to us. So each one of us can take the little patch of land we have under our care and we can fix it. We can restore it. We can give us homes to as much creatures as possible, seen and unseen, rooted and unrooted. And we can create a patchwork quilt. And if everybody takes their own patch of this earth and gives it back to nature, makes it alive again, we have a chance. We have a chance to fix this. You know, because if we leave it up to anyone else to do it, they're not going to do it. It's up to every one of us. This is it. Like, this is our hope. And, and it'll work, you know, just got to get, get over the idea of controlling gardens as something for our visual pleasure. It's not. 
you know, it's valid to grow your own food because we need to step out of the industrial farming and fishing systems because they're killing everything on the planet. But we do have to give the other half back. Um, and if you've loads of land and you and you can you, you and the half that you're that you're you're working with that you can offer it to your friends um, to grow some food there if they don't have any land, you know, or if there's an older person who doesn't have the ability to look after their garden, you could talk to them about perhaps taking half of their garden, making it an ark, taking the other half and growing food and sharing the produce with them and allowing them the, the joy of seeing all these creatures come into their land. Um, way better than television and you know <laughs> a lot of company to be had from people coming in and out of their house in a safe safe environment you know growing food a lot of joy and community in that you know so if we take every single patch bit by bit we can do this you know it, all, all it amounts to is sticking up signs everywhere spreading the word that you know the time for gardens is over and it's time to step up now and be a guardian what do you say after that i mean i just i just think it's so important and it's it's so empowering empowering because i think we've all felt like oh there's nothing we can do and there's no help and just we're so frustrated with like you're saying the lack of political action i mean i want to take obama's nobel peace prize back what the heck she should have been the leader at the paris climate accords not showing up for like the last day just to sign like yeah yeah i know the frustration and he's got con and blah 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 whatever hello like uh i just so this is like just so empowering because it puts it back on us and and like how different it can make if we just dedicate 50 percent of our guard and i just feel like like as you talk i'm just imagining like one thing that drives me crazy is so my mom lives in new york on long island and I can't stand all those stupid little yellow signs that say, don't walk here for 24 hours. And like, even if we just took back the lawns and the chemicals on the lawns, but also like you've really pointed out to me, like how much plants and the, and the, and that maybe if just instead of like trying to redo a lot of the areas that i've been like oh i need to focus on this area and we should put more perennial like maybe even if i just added more water and more of these like places for like snakes and and yeah. and different yeah. creatures like little rock rock homes and 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 wood areas and use it like wasn't there something about trees decaying and yeah and yeah. those places and i do take like there's so many cute like to me they're like little fairy homes like i'm an aspiring artist so like i'm always like someday i'm gonna you know paint all these little fairy pictures and it's just it's really there's so many lovely spots on our property it's a very dry um dry piece of land montana is very dry in the summer but also there's so much natural beauty and and i just think um i love that part about 50 percent. like if we could take back 50 percent, you know and, and what you're saying about how many chemicals gardens use i don't think anybody on my show has said that that actually backyard gardeners are putting it using more toxins that's just appalling mm -hmm. i know 
it is appalling and it's it's an attack on nature which is unprecedented you know and it's yes it has to stop and the problem is that people think gardening is gentle or green in some way and it is so not it is one of the most destructive and silently destructive actions that people are carrying out and and it's this concept of shifting baseline syndrome I mean people don't remember anymore what nature looks like what natural is you know because they've been so disconnected from it I mean when we were growing up you'd drive along and there'd be dead bugs all over your windscreen when you got home yes. evening, and now you don't see any because they're all gone they are gone we've lost 75 percent of all our insects and that's a steep spiral within 50 years of you know time immemorial do you know that's what we've done with chemicals that's and wiping out woodlands and wiping out habitat and and you know waiting for the politicians to stop this happening isn't going to work but we can do it from the ground up we can do this like it just we just have to get everybody on board because you know how much land is made up with gardens and landscapes and parks and you know we, we can also get onto our local you know governments county councils i don't know what you call them over there but over here they're willing to take this on board because it's 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 a win-win for them they put up a sign and they don't have to maintain it anymore because they're they're seen as being good doing something good and we don't care what their reasons for doing it are we just want them to do it you know um sorry i rant (laughs) no keep ranting rant away this is because it's so true because I do feel that frustration also with like people that are like, they don't realize like how big of a, an impact your local government makes. And I, I am going to release an interview. I just did with this woman, um, Joan Gregerson this week, who talks about, um, she's got like a workbook and a book and about finding your green team. She has a green team Academy podcast, I think. And it's all about like coming up with a local 90 day project um, that you're going to put into action that's very very similar and she and she talks you through the steps to take and how to how to get it done and then and then go with another local project but she's very focused on on local because local government is what then leads to national change which then lead or state change here if that's the way it works local will then more likely go to state which will then go to national and it's exactly what you're saying. If we do it, then they're going to follow. And we can't wait on these leaders that are, you know, being bought off by the big chemical companies that want, you know. And I, I do feel like we are making some progress. You know, like I just my season three in episode is with um, Daniel Mays, the intro episode I just released on the first who wrote the no-till organic vegetable farm and he's talking a lot about and he he's taken it you know he is not even really tilling with broad fork now after nine years of adding compost and getting into like where he just grows a cover crop and just chops it down and he's not having to till at all anymore and doing on a on a you know it's a two and a half acre farm but he's feeding like 300 families lots of families and just showing how this can work and you know jean martin fortier with the small scale farmers are changing the world and just you know if we can grow our food locally if people can grow food in their backyard without using chemicals but also i love this piece about the natural native returning it to its 
it makes me also feel good about like some of the messiness that's here on our property as I look around out my window. Um, and I love the idea of like connecting with like the creature. Like one thing we struggle, and certainly one of the biggest complaints on my show was, what do I do about critters? What do I do? Like we had one year where my husband grew like twenty-two broccoli plants, and they were so beautiful, and they were the best broccoli's ever. And we would get up in the morning and the squirrels would take one bite, they'd poop on them and go to the next and one bite poop. And, and I was so mad at those squirrels, but, but now I'm having a little more sympathy for them. And one of my listeners did say they thought maybe it was the dew and they were going for the water. And so maybe what I need is like a little pond or more water places for them. Like I'm just more so inspired to try to make things work with those creatures instead of be like, well, I'm just going to put row cover over my broccoli and I am not letting them anywhere near my broccoli. Well, the, the, thing, the, the, the thing that happens is when you create a balanced ecosystem in your, in your arc, um, you, you know, you should try and place that all the way around your vegetable garden because the natural predators will be there to keep everything in balance. Because when you bring balance back, it comes with that type of balance as well. So um, like there's places for the predators, for the red squirrels to live, you know, like, I, d- I don't know. I don't know your creatures so well. Over here we have pine martens that, you know, will scare away, scare away the squirrels. Um, but um, I, I don't know what you guys would have that would be a natural predator for a squirrel. But if you provide enough food for them outside of the cabbages, you know, if you pr- provide nut trees, native nut trees, and, you know, start to restore kind of what their natural food supply would be and increase the diversity of plants as much as you can on the land, um, you know, connecting with other archivist friends and doing cuttings and sharing seeds and sharing plants. Um, because we, 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 can't force the gardening industry to change similar can't force the politicians to change but if we start changing they'll start following us you know but the predators and the creatures they'll all come back and and you need them you know that's part of giving them sanctuary and they're desperate for help like they're desperate for help so i never feel bad about them eating anything because we've taken away everything from them so half of my vegetable garden ends up being eaten by something I don't mind, you know, because I know I'll be okay, but they're not okay, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I don't know what, like, maybe it's like our, I don't know. We ended up just getting more cats and having more cats in the garden. I don't know. I Again, it could have been the drought year because, like, we grew broccolis last year and we didn't have that problem. It was only that one year, like four okay. years ago, yeah. that we had that problem. And then we haven't had it again um i've just been curious to see if it was tasty who knows yeah i don't know uh well what do you have anything i mean we've shared a lot you've been a very eloquent guest like anything else you want to say that we haven't said um well yeah i mean i do ask people to put in extra creature supports so Um, to put in a wildlife pond if they have the space and if they don't have much space to even put in a small bowl of water um, 
to make little lagoons, which are basically you'd naturally find a mini lagoon in like a rotting hole in a in an in an old tree and be filled with rainwater and rotting leaves. And they're incredibly important, um, you know, larvae growing spots, nurseries for larvae and bacteria and all the unseen important creatures which are also part of our arcs. And um, you know, piles of wood, you know, dead wood, standing dead wood is an incredibly important food source for so many different creatures because it filled with invertebrates of all kinds um so that's it's always okay to leave a dead tree unless it's really very dangerous and then obviously take it down and leave it lying on the ground you know don't keep cleaning up like leaves are so important leaves are nature's winter blankets you know and so many um so many creatures pupate in the leaves and so many um mammals need the leaves for warmth to make homes and the earth needs the leaves to, to to restore its nutrients and we keep burning them off with these stupid hot air blowers which really have no make no sense they're just part of the old world and we really have to build a new one where we actually look after this planet you know so that we can have a future that's about it really <laughs> The most important uh, I was walking my dog down the road one day and these people were like blowing their leaves off of their driveway with the leaf blower and if I could if I didn't have a dog like my my dog is really she's hard to control like if I could have walked over to them and been like I will come rake your leaves <laughs> I I would have but I have my dog with me and I couldn't do it right then but I was just like I was like, what are you doing? Like that made, it made no sense to me whatsoever. I was like, cause it was taking them so long and they were frustrated. I'm like, you're spewing out all this gas out of this machine to like put your leaves in a pile. So they're not on your, what on your driveway. And the worst part was the leaves were, had blown right back in. They didn't pick them up. So they all blew right back where they were the next day. Yeah. And it was a husband and wife. And I saw them like, when I walked down the road with my dog, the wife was doing it. When I came back, the husband was doing it. And I was just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then and meanwhile, I'm thinking, gosh, those leaves would be so good for my garden. Because we don't really have deciduous yeah. trees on our property at all anyway. I'm yeah. still, I was thinking about those. Like, I should go see. Are they just sitting there? Can I go get them? Yeah, like, I know. But the thing is, they don't know any better. They're, they're just doing what they feel has to I be guess. done, you know? And nobody is thinking that it'll make any difference you know that what does it matter if I do this on my land or you know that's that people are so disempowered and the good thing about we are the ark um is that it empowers people um it 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 gives people hope because they see how quickly nature recovers but she can't recover if we don't give her a chance so it's definitely the way forward so be a guardian yeah. and and develop an arc and share 50 percent of your space with nature and to be honest with you you're preaching to the choir i'll bet a lot <laughs> of my listeners are like i do that i do that i do that but i also feel like you gave us tons of great ideas today and things we can do better and yeah. more and 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 help our our neighbors our communities our own spaces our own animals and just um Thank you so much for sharing with us today, I guess, and 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 being so lovely and, and being brave and sharing your story with everybody and, and doing this global movement. 
yeah that's sure it's great sure. what else would I be doing I suppose <laughs> thank well, you so much enjoy your tea and and tell us so it's we are the arc dot org dot org yeah dot org yeah and... we we are the arc dot org yeah and it's it's a very simple homemade website you know um probably needs a good bit of updating but i'm writing the book at the moment so that'll come out then hopefully by the summertime i do have to say it was a little hard like it seemed like the top part kept coming down in the bottom part to read but other than but it's so lovely it doesn't matter it's just the pictures are beautiful the thoughts are inspiring you've written it really eloquently it's simple and graceful and and just uh listeners are gonna love it so thank you so much mary you have a wonderful day you too thanks jackie appreciate it thank you so much get your copy of the organic oasis guidebook available today from amazon it's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own organic oasis um it starts with healthy soil it talks about building an earth-friendly landscape it helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects it talks about fruit trees and just um all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden. And just, um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey, uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis, um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for mother earth. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.